uh, to the big old 40. Could go, could have celebrated, went to the store and grabbed a 40. Um, but Or I could do what I've always done, wrap off beat like E40. Or just uh, do what's probably more linear with who I am. Be a 40-year-old virgin. And you know what? I'm on the right track. If you were to start a virginity at, you know, 25 and, you know, have a 15-year surplus of virginity, I think I can do it. It's a goal to strive for. The big old 4-0 episode. Welcome to episode 40 of the Off and Beat podcast. I am, unfortunately, your host, Clint. Um... Being a 40, I would imagine being a 40-year-old virgin is pretty awkward, and it's probably definitely not accidental why you are a virgin at 40. I mean, you can make an argument. Would it be better just to, if you were that shy or just have that much of lack of, you know, social interaction skills, you can't even accidentally uh, get someone to ride your dick. I don't know. Um, I would imagine it's not a fun life to live or even a... Because typically, there's not many happy 40-year-old virgins. It's not like, oh, I put everything on the wayside and now I'm ready. It's like, nah. Chances are uh, a lot of people made those decisions for you. But I imagine it's very awkward. And you know what else is very awkward? Is being socially awkward. Something I've learned to take pride in. And by learning, I mean, since like the age of nine, I've embraced being socially awkward. And it's not something you do on purpose. You could tell the ones who are doing it because it's trendy. And those people need to be spoken to, which I kind of want to speak to you, bandwagon social awkward people. You're not really awkward. You uh, use it to your advantage because it's trendy and cool. Because now it's, ironically, it's cool to not be cool and it's not cool to be cool um apparently being awkward is actually considered at least people say it's an attractive trait and maybe in certain aspects but not really and it's really annoying when people want to just when you really think about people are just appropriating my awkwardness Trying to use it to their advantage. Oh, you think when you talk and you take long pauses and let words sink in, and you're thinking words out loud as you're speaking, you think that's cool? When it's not who you are? When you could just fluently speak in sentences and you've proven over time that that's who you are? But then you want to hop on the bandwagon, hmm? Because it's cool for you. It, there's nothing worse than someone who tries so hard to quote-unquote be relatable because they feel they are unrelatable to the masses. So they try so hard to be normal. That's like those people as like, all I want right now is a nice cheeseburger with a mojito and a booty rub. It's like, what? That's a very weird uh, brunch. You shouldn't be mixing grease with mojitos. It's a, it's a diarrhea of the mouth. You don't want that if you plan on, you know, Loosening it up later for a 40-year-old virgin. Ah, see what I did there. But 
it's really, honestly, it's really kind of just, it's annoying. It's played out when people, they try to, uh, they try to ironically try to acquire a trait that we used to consider undesirable in society. Like if you were an awkward kid as a kid, you know, teachers and your parents would try to make you as least awkward as possible. So, you know, you can have a group of friends. So you can actually have uh, vital relationships and actually be a normal person. And then by normal person, you know, that could quantify a lot of things. But in terms of being a normal person in society and, you know, but what's really fucking annoying is when you have people that try so hard and it's a facade of how, oh, I I have all this anxiety. I get really nervous around people. It's like, do you? You really get that nervous? You really are having panic attacks? And obviously there are people that do. But there's... A lot of people that say this stuff are just people that are in an uncomfortable setting. And they feel, oh, if I'm in an uncomfortable setting because of what's presented in the world and a lot of people have spoken, I should probably feel a certain way. It's like, yeah, it's okay to feel, it's okay to have butterflies. It's okay to have a little shakes. It's okay to be nervous. It's normal. You're going on stage speaking in front of 2,000 people at a talent show. And you're going to be mediocre. And you're going to be getting claps you shouldn't get. And you're going to be getting booze that you should get and you know what that's okay what's not okay though is playing the awkward card and just picking the advantages of it out so you can use it when um when it comes to social interactions and you just you use your social awkwardness to quote unquote make yourself the center of attention as ironic as that sounds because when you're truly when you're truly awkward as an individual, um, when you're generally awkward as an individual, when you are in groups of people, people can kind of tell if you're fishing for it, right? It's like someone that fishes for compliments. It's like, oh man, I'm not this, I'm not that. I will never find a husband. I will never, I will never date again. Oh. I will never find love. Oh. Scooby-Dooby-Doo. Sound actually more like Scrappy-Doo. But, like Velma. She's a, she's awkward. She's hot. But she's awkward. Well, I wouldn't even say she's really awkward. But she, compared to everyone else in the group, like Fred and Daphne are the most social they're the most like, hey guys, come on, everyone come to the beach. Everyone, we're the, we're the, we're the, we're the poster child. We're the poster people for what you know is models. And then you got Scooby and Shaggy, and they're like kind of the, they're kind of like the cool. They're they're kind of like they're they're not popular, but everyone's kind of cool with them. Especially like Shaggy. Like Shaggy's always got the weed and shit. It's like everyone wants to be around Shaggy when they just want to chill and relax. And they need someone to talk to. And Velma is one that no one really wants to date or hang around. But they use her for her knowledge type of thing. 
not to go off the rails there, but when it comes to people taking advantage of social, being socially awkward, then that's when you have the uh, Jennifer Lawrence's. I think she realized, like, yeah, you know what? I'm not like any of you. I'm so much better. Um, she she used to do the whole thing of, oh, I just like, uh, you know, I like Cheetos. I like nachos. Oh, look at me. Uh, even though, like, I don't think she purposely tripped at the Oscars or whatever the fuck the award thing was. I don't think she purposely did that by any means. But she certainly took advantage of that to talk about C. I trip as well. It's like, well, ironically, you talking, you like an elevated status. You still view yourself in elevated status when you're talking, quote unquote, to regular people. Which you got to watch out when people use the term regular people or normal, everyday people. That right there basically tells you that, oh, they are thinking themselves that they're not normal and everyday. But they refer to everyone else as normal, everyday people. So, whatever. Look in between the lines. Um... But she definitely took advantage of that. See, like, see, I'm just like all of you. I trip as well. I have flaws. I'm normal. It's like, all right, are you? No one said you didn't have flaws. But when people try so hard to be relatable to the masses is the most annoying, is the most turnoff thing ever. And now people in everyday life are using awkwardness and awkward social cues to take advantage. And they're getting all the benefits of what people like me being socially awkward have actually just had to deal with the negative shit that comes with it. It's like now, oh, well, I see the benefits of being socially awkward. You get to get away saying with shit because you're not trying to fit into groups. It's like, or you just kind of have a outside point of view and don't have a group of friends to, you know, neglect your point of view and to shape your point of view where you fall into groupthink. And that's when you get political parties to the highest extent. Which, by the way, I uh, read some earlier. Uh, this girl, she did this TikTok about, quote unquote, beta males and she basically said if you are a democrat or liberal you are automatically by definition a beta male because she was talking about the i'm gonna get back to the awkwardness thing in a second but she was talking about how in the video how if because she, she was basically saying that for recreation beta males is the worst thing that happened you need an alpha male to raise a kid and i was like well um maybe just have sex with better men. I don't know. I mean, it works both ways. There's a lot of cool, cool alpha males that ain't good dads and vice versa. So I don't know. But the fact that somehow, and some that has to do with uh, physiology and things that have to do with personality traits and shit, somehow she still found a way to say, make it political, which is highly ironic to me. But... I digress. Whatever you gotta do to simplify the playing field because you can't actually identify people for who they are. So you have to pigeonhole people. And then that's when you have, I didn't know he was like this. Because he fit all the boxes. How was I supposed to know he molested children? Because if we go by that, like, that means based off these five traits, that means you would know every single person. If 
people have these three traits they molest children it's like oh well if you are a uh, libertarian technically by the traits you look for in an elected official you are by definition probably gonna rape children it's like oh that's a weird uh that's a that's a big of a reach um maybe you should reach for you know um body language or since everyone wants to be body language experts but not actually you know identify their own body language and bitch about why they're single or don't have a man or a woman and don't want to do a lot of self-reflection on themselves so they just blame things they blame the way society is for why they don't have a partner instead of improving themselves to make them more desirable potential partner but I digress. But anyways, back to the awkwardness. Um, it is really, is just really annoying for us in the community. And I'm going to speak for the community right now. Yes, we have a community. The real awkward community. It's like people that jump on uh, the LGBTQ2 community. But they're... Uh, they're just supporting it because it's cool for them to support, even if they may not really support it. When they don't treat people who are actually are part of that community in their everyday life like they're everyday people. They treat them like they're so much worse or better. And you can read between the lines of how people truly... It's like, oh, I am for gay people, but I don't want my son to be gay. It's like, well, what if he is? I don't want my daughter to be queer. I don't want my daughter to be a lesbian. I don't want my uh, child to be transgender. It's like, well, if you're truly supportive of a group, if you're truly supportive of something, how supportive of it are you really if you wouldn't want someone that you care about to actually potentially be a member of that community, whatever that may be? Not going to go down that rabbit hole, but you can make a prediction for yourself on that one. But it's really, as I, I consider it as a true lifelong member of this awkward community. And I've had to deal with the ramifications that come with that. Of um, being an awkward individual... You're not awkward because you are trying to gauge a specific type of attention and you're not doing it to silence the room when you say something. You're not doing it to be shocking when you say stuff. You're not doing it to be clever with the way you put things together. You're not doing it because, you know, you're trying to get some sympathy hugs or laughs or kisses. It's like not because you generally feel uh, that is just generally how you are wired. And as even I have improved some things about myself to be more normal in situations, um, I would say generally I'm pretty awkward individual, one-on-one -on -one group settings, and it benefits me in a lot of ways. Not many people can get in front of a camera or get on a mic and solo by themselves as much as I do. Not the two mountain horn, I'm not saying it's the greatest podcast ever. But people that are quote unquote not awkward and don't speak to themselves a lot um, wouldn't be able to even talk about these things independently. Just to, just throwing that out there. If you want to really like 
the thing that bothers me about when people try to be awkward and they try to use it to their advantage is if they are all of a sudden if they are starting to see pitfalls and their success in personal relationships with people they will use oh well i think i'm just awkward i'm just or they'll start saying, i'm too real and sometimes there's nothing more i actually saw somewhere there's nothing more real than being awkward and i was like uh no not really you could be real and be not awkward and you'd be awkward and be phony you could be awkward and be misguided as well, even if you're genuinely awkward. That is very possible. But you could also be very smart and intelligent and be awkward. Raise your hand. Me. But use but when people pick and choose what parts of awkwardness they want to apply to their personality artificially, and they want to apply those things to themselves for certain benefits that may come with that. But they didn't deal with the negative aspects of it in your younger years. It was not cool being awkward when you're 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. You may have a small niche. You may have a small niche of friends. But even your interactions, you're not normal together. You're still awkward. But when you combine two awkward people together, get magic. And I wouldn't want an awkward wife or partner i don't think that would be a good uh i don't think that would be a good balance i think i actually <clears throat> i think my awkwardness with someone's guidedness and groundedness is actually very good but it really bothers me when people identify themselves and just call themselves awkward when they're not really awkward you're not i'm sorry i'm not saying i'm quote unquote the most awkward person in the world. But I'm definitely not not the most awkward person in the world. It's uh there's a lot of and the thing is people want to hop on it because it's a social media has made it cool. And I'm a proud member of it. I'm a proud member of this community. But I don't like when and I think if I was part of the LGBTQ two I still can't get the acronyms right, but what a LGBTQT, <laughs> QT, quick trip. <laughs> oh, that's a that's a quick trip down the depression lane. <laughs> um, but if I was a part of that community, and I just saw a bunch of people jumping on the bandwagon because it's a way to feel like it's a forced acceptance in society. People that quote-unquote identify themselves as awkward all of a sudden feel like, oh, well, I'm awkward, so you got to accept me and adjust the way your society standards and the way the way the world actually works to my awkwardness. And I know I'm, I'm abusing the word awkward, but it, that's just not how this works. It's not. You can accept that aspects of yourself of your personality flaws, but there's a lot of benefits that come with that as well. But when you wouldn't, if you had the choice between your child being social, normal, or being awkward, isolated, and the ramifications that come with those things, you're going to choose for your kid to be social and normal. 
and you should. There's nothing wrong if your kid is not social normal. But yeah, you're going to prefer your kid be social. Because it's very important for... I think you sell some... If you, uh, I think it was off a Jordan Peterson video I saw. If your child doesn't learn how to be social by three, that three to five year old range literally will define whether your kid will be an outcast in life or whether he'll be social. And being social is very important because it's the difference between you finding a partner, finding a partner to create. To recreate, have kids, pass your seed down, to have a family with. Uh, it's important just for happiness. There's not many people that are... Awkwardness typically leads to isolation and loneliness in a lot of times. By default, that doesn't necessarily mean you're unhappy. Because you can be very social and very unhappy. And you can be very isolated and be very happy. But the reality is the means are... People are social creatures, even if they're not social. But when that range in between the adolescent stage, that's why it's important for your the take your kids to the park and have them play with kids at the park. That's why it's important for your kids to get into sports at a young age. That's why it's very important for your kid to. That's why kindergarten, first and second grade, they could basically pick out who's gonna be uh, leaders. Who's, who's going to be uh, leaders of the classroom? Which Who's going to run for class presidents? Which class, if you're a leader in this, you could be a leader in that. Which means when you get older, you, you can lead a group of people to a common goal at your job, in your career. You can lead a company when you start getting to the highest levels. Like That shit's very important. And... Now that people want to go out of their way to add character, to add a trait that you once considered undesirable, that society once considered undesirable, and we have embraced it ourselves and just accepted and lived our own life, and now all of a sudden, because it's cool, you motherfuckers want to come in and you want to take the awkwardness, but you don't actually want to be around... The ones that are in the mud. The ones that got it from the mud, as the kids would say. We got it from the mud. We got it because that's how we're built. Because we are built different. And it bothers the fuck out of me when you guys, who are not built different, you were built just like everyone else you had social interactions with. But then now you want to come on our side because you see the benefits that come with it. You see how... When you have mad game, I can't even say that about myself. But one thing, I, what I notice is like with quote unquote uh, people that are awkward on that side, you are not going to be regurgitating the same type of text. You are not going to be re- regurgitating the same type of shit that the everyday person would do who's just normal socially. Because you're just like, Alright, what are you going to do, reject me? I've been rejected in so many things my whole life. I've been not accepted into social groups my whole life. One more no is not going to hurt me. It may, you could probably say it's unhealthy. It, maybe we, we've gotten too good at hearing no. 
never feeling included and stuff. All right, one more person saying they don't want to be included with me. Not going to end my day. You're probably not. Oh, now that you realize, oh, it took you to your 28 and all your friends are actually out doing stuff. All your friends have kids, maybe a husband, you know, probably married or have moved the places to pursue stuff. And you're alone doing your own thing. But you have relied on that very specific social interaction to rely on your self-esteem, your ability just to bitch about shit, for lack of a better word. You have relied on that social construct to bring you endorphins, to make you feel better about things, to always have a when in doubt, I can always reach to this and get something out of it, even if it's a temporary good feeling. And because you've never learned actually how to apply doing things individually by default, and you've never been told really no in a lot of ways. Now, at the age of 28, 29, I would say mid-20s when I'm starting to see this a lot. People call labeling themselves words that they don't know this half of what being that word really means like do you really know what being like do you like do you really know what having ptsd is do you really know what having quote-unquote severe anxiety is like do you really know what it's like to be quote-unquote bipolar do you really know what that's like or is it just something that you've hit a little adversity in your life and you haven't had to deal with it and all these different emotions are coming through. And instead of just identifying that you as an individual don't know how to deal with shit, it's got to be some type of term. Oh, I don't get bitches. It's because I'm awkward. It's like, oh, trust me. You can. Uh, I don't get guys because they, uh, they're they not great communicators. It's like, are you sure that's it? Are you sure that's the only thing? It's like, or are you trying to force interest? Because, like, a lot of people have this in time that every person that they like should like them back. Or just because you've put X, just because you put so much of yourself into something with someone, that that means they uh, that they deserve to get the same back. It's like, that's not how this works. Once you see that you're not getting... The equivalent of what you feel in return, and that's the judgment you got to make. But then to play this victim card about how, oh, he never did this or she never did this for me and I did all this for her. Like, it's crazy to me if you're with someone for like 15, 20 years and then all of a sudden you just want to sit there and return like everything you bought them. You just want them to return it. But in those moments, you were talking about how much you genuinely love them and all this shit. And I understand certain things you just get back, like the ring, try to keep your assets, house and shit. But to sit here and try to get back every shoe you ever bought them, it's like, you know, it's like, what are you doing? It's like, at that point, you're just trying to hold on to something. You just want to remind someone that they ain't shit, which even if they're not shit, it's like, hey, man, like. You can't get everything back that you put out there. It is what it is. But a lot of people don't want to deal with that because they're not socially awkward. That didn't make any goddamn sense. 
but I felt like it should have tied in in some way. The main thing I'm trying to say is stop pretending to be socially awkward and stop using it to gauge an advantage. Because when people start to see that whatever makes you stick out from the crowd, then a lot of people hop on that trend. And when a lot of people hop on that trend, you need to, the way you stick out, the stick out from everyone else, is you do the opposite of what everyone else is doing. Oh, everyone, every girl's out here sucking every dude's dick. Every girl's out here is giving on the tea or they're being way too hard to get. All these girls out here, they're, you know, they're all, all these type of girls are wearing the same hair. They dye their hair the same way. All these girls are wearing the same outfits. Like, some of these, like, spring break trips, all the girls look the fucking same. I don't know what else to tell you. It's like, I think that's why, like, the thickness in girls broke out. Because every girl, like, in the 80s and 90s were skinny, in shape, on crack. And there's that one thick girl. Not just, like, a little thick. She was thick. And then she stood out. Now all of a sudden, like, oh, she got the man I wanted because of her size. Now I want to be that size. I'm going to do what she did to get her life partner, to get the person she wanted. So everyone started following that trend. And now, because everyone, like, oh, every person that's with, every person that goes out to, you know, to the downtown scenes and stuff, they, uh... They want to be this girl, or I wouldn't say girl, but every dude wants to look a certain way to attract girls. They want to have this fake confidence. They got to be exuberant and stuff. At the end of the day, like anything, you got to generally be yourself because if you're being something you're not, a lot of people can fish that out. They really can. Like this over-exuberant confidence that a lot of dudes have, to be honest, it's, it's just funny to watch. Because they, they, they go by this playbook. And a playbook... See, here's the thing. Here, here's the thing about playbook. Here's the thing about these dating coaches. It's always funny to watch these like dating coaches. They give you this playbook of what quote-unquote works. It works until you need to make an audible. Until you got to make a hot route. Until you got to move the line. Until you got to improv, improvise. Until you got to scramble. Until you got to think quick on your feet. And thinking quick on your feet is something that you either have. It, there's parts of it that you be that you can uh, grow about in yourself, but it's kind of something that you just develop by practice and repeat. And you're gonna fail a lot. But that's the thing. Like too many people want to go by this playbook and thinking if you do this, this, and this, you'll get this. And it's like it may work sometimes, but in anything genuine, it's probably not. It's boring, it's too calculated, there's no spontaneity in it. It's just my one-on-one on dating, on that aspect. Um, but it was like, oh, all these are good, they want, they want the guy who's outgoing and confident in himself. And then there became a small little trend where that's when uh, I had my run. Nice three-year run. And I stuck out from the crowd because I combined all these different things. I was myself. I was confident. I had I was I had my corny jokes. I had my awkwardness. 
while maintaining eye contact. Think about like when you're generally cool, awkward is when you're making eye contact with them and you just embrace how much of an awkward douchebag you are. And you just make it where they, it's not the same shit that a person has heard a thousand times before they get the same thing. It's like, I know what you're trying to get and that's fine. But can you at least, like, make me, can you at least surprise me with something? Can you at least do it in a different way? It's like, I got you. And a lot of people just don't understand that. A lot of people know, they have, when you are a true outsider and you make perceptions of what awkwardness looks like and you go to too far an extreme, you realize, oh yeah, being that far socially inept is not cool. Oh yeah, it's not cool. And I'm not saying like I'm going to shit on someone to be socially inept, but it's to when it comes to certain things, like there's not a whole lot of benefits to it. This whole thing that we live in where everyone's accepted, it's like, yeah, I mean, we are, but we're not really. I just don't like people appropriating my awkwardness. Our awkwardness. The community of true awkwardness. Stop using our awkwardness to your advantage. Stop appropriating it. Oh, I would see. We have a culture. It's not really, this isn't specific like, you know, the argument. Do white people have culture? It's like, of course we do. Just no one wants to steal it. So, um... But, like, a personality traits. Can personality traits and people be cultures? It's like, yeah. You have the social culture, the antisocial. And awkward does not mean antisocial, by the way. It can mean you go in social situations. And you can find a way to navigate and you lubricate some ways, but you don't want to agitate. Lubricate. Don't agitate. I stole that line from a sports show earlier. Colin Cowherd. Thank you, Colin. Um, but yeah, it's awkward person and the great social setting create a little agitation, creates a little divide. It separates the bullshitters from the bullshit. And that's the great thing about being an awkward person. People, the thing is that you may not even really be like that awkward all the time, but Typically, you'll just point out the obvious that everyone knows, but you're not really supposed to say it out loud. Like, hey, it's like, ah, it's like when, uh, for example, if you're with like four or five friends, right? You're on a lunch break. You go to the Zaxby's. They clearly say, oh, I want the Zaxby's club meal. And they asked, do you want any sauce? And they said, no, I'm good. So then they get the order and be like, oh, can I get two Zach sauces? And the person over the counter is like, uh, yeah. And you just have to pay like a quarter for each one. They'll be like, wait, what? No, because I ordered it with my meal. And they're like, nah. Well, like, no, you clearly said you didn't. Even if you didn't, we didn't charge you for it. And you were right there as a person right behind them. And like, yeah, you definitely didn't say it. And... 
then they start throwing a hit like, oh, it's ridiculous. Shouldn't have to pay for sauces and all this stuff. I know I ordered it anyways, but it's fine. It's fine. And then you get back to the table and you're just like, huh? You have a little cunt over here in the corner, don't we? Ha <laughs> ha. And then it just kind of kills the mood. But you're not technically wrong, but you just kind of say things when they shouldn't be said probably at times. Oh, man. I love that incident. I did call someone a cunt. Not because of that specifically. Um, because she was actually being a cunt the whole time she was ordering. She was speaking in a very condescending tone. Like, I'm above you tone. Which, like I've said before, um, you can't say you're above something if you're eating the product. Because that, by default, means you, if you are what you eat, that means you are less than what you view of that place. So that means you are exactly, you are Zaxby's. If you think you're above Zaxby's, don't eat at Zaxby's. Because by default, once you eat Zaxby's, you are less than your standard. So don't treat people when you already make yourself that standard. So go fuck yourself. But I did call her a cunt. And it wasn't like just out of the blue. Because she was like condescending, be kind of a bitch. And I don't care. I'll call, you know, people being cunts and bitches to people for no reason. They deserve to be called. We only, oh, don't call me out of name. It's like, if you do shit to be called out of name, then you deserve to be called out of name. Sorry. So we got back to the table. We were all in a group of friends. And I remember I was, uh, it was, se- it was senior year. And it wasn't, I think it was a Halloween night because we went. We went to some haunted mansion thing, right? And before, you know, we're in Dallas, Georgia. We're going to Zaxby's, bitch. And we stopped by Zaxby's at like, maybe like 7 o'clock or so. They were kind of busy. And we got back and we were sitting at the round booth. And she was still like kind of going on about it. And she was being a cunt while ordering. She didn't yell or nothing. But you tell she had like an undertone attitude. Even though she lived in a trailer park, so you'd think she would actually have more, you know, admiration and humbleness. It's ironic that, it's ironic that the people that aren't even, that aren't humble come from humble in places. And they haven't even achieved a certain status to be not humble anymore, but I digress. Um, So we were sitting there, and she just kept going on and on. And she started saying some personal shit about how the woman looked and shit. It's like... It's like, but you're uglier than her. And at least she's working a job or something. And she's just sitting there like being a bitch. Be like, oh, well, we shouldn't have to pay for sauces anyways. Like, well, regardless if you feel whatever, you do. Alright? Don't eat there. It's not a secret. She kept going on and on. And... um. Now I was just like, can you shut the fuck up? And everyone there kind of wanted to say it. But see, I wasn't really close friends with any of them. A girl kind of asked me out to the haunted thing. I have a car, so she drove her truck. And we were all kind of like in this truck or whatever. And I, th- it wasn't her sister. I think it was like her sister's best friend. So she was just like... I'm like, or, I was like, can you shut the fuck up? Like, and I didn't say like in a direct piss off way. I was just like, I was just like, hey, 
can you shut the fuck up about it? It's not that big of a deal. Get over it. And she's like, oh, so you just accept anything, huh? You just let service, you just don't, you never say anything when service is wrong. It's like, I mean, depends. If there's like a cockroach in between my cheese and bun, that's one thing. They, it's like, they literally did exactly what you ordered. And you try to pull a fast one. And then they pulled a, they put that bitch in reverse you turned, did a couple donuts, and said, nah, bitch, you're going to pay for this. You're not going to pull a fast one. You're not going to be one of those people that say, oh, I ordered a combo, even though you clearly said you just want one double cheeseburger, and somehow like, oh, I wanted the two double cheeseburger combo meal with the two drinks. And it's like, oh, well, because I had the weight and you guys got it wrong, I should get two of those for free. It's like, nah, go fuck yourself. You never specified. You and you clearly said you didn't want the fucking Zach sauces. You didn't want any sauces. And send their bitch. And I'm just like, one, it's not a big of a deal. Two, it's 50 fucking cents. Three, if that bothers you so much, you should probably apply a Zaxby's. Then you know what? You probably get all the free sauces you want. But nah, got a little too saucy for her. She was like, uh, well, just so you know. The only reason why you're here is because they felt the girl that invited you here felt bad for you because you didn't have because you basically didn't you don't have anyone. You don't have a girlfriend. Your girlfriend just broke up with you. So she has brought you out tonight for sympathy, even though she fondled my balls later. But whatever, probably because I showed a pair <laughs> in front of a friend. Which she probably didn't like anyways, but gotta love them redheads. Um, but yeah. And I was just sitting there like, wow, like, I was like, wow, you know, I know you can make an argument that not a lot of people hang around me, but I cannot understand why people would actually want to hang around you at all. At least I don't come off as a cunt, and that's when I dropped the cunt bomb. And when I said that, the one dude, he was just eating his fry and just like, oh. <laughs> and I was like, no, nah, it's just like, it was, it's not even telling it how it is. It's just like, I can't believe that an individual, even at that time, even at 18, I cannot believe an individual like that truly knows they're either being deceptive or they don't remember what they fucking said or didn't say, more importantly... And they're just sitting there like the world revolves around them even when they fuck up or when they didn't get what they wanted. And I'm just like, God, you're so fucking, you know, if this is what people got to, and what I noticed is that the people in that booth, right, they were, they all hanged with her because the girl I was with or that invited me to hang out, she... Her sister was friends with that girl. So by default, she kind of has to be around them. And I'm not necessarily saying she hated that girl or nothing, but I don't think they were best friends or nothing. And it just showed me, like, the the length people will go to just to keep things comfortable. And knowing when someone is just being a fucking asswipe, an asshole, a cunt, a bitch fucking slob like 
and people just have let it go too long and then you're the guy and you don't and you start feeling like asshole feeling like you got to point it out because it's not like she left at the counter then we got to the table and we just ate like she kept going on about it i was like first of all i don't care to fucking hear this then oh then she started bitching because they were out of lemons for fucking sweet tea it's like oh i'm sorry no one got to squeeze any more bitterness in your fucking tea today Jesus fucking Christ. Let me take it. By the way, let me take a quick pause. We are sponsored by Ghost Today. I feel like this camera is going to be blurry, so it may just be my eyes. We are sponsored by Ghost. Sour Watermelon Warhead. But, and you, and I stick out... Because I'm really just pointing out the fucking obvious. And of course, you know, things actually went okay. We went to the haunted house. It's pretty underwhelming. Waited an hour and a half for what? Just uh, some guys pull out some Snickers and he <laughs> Got me a few times, I'm not going to lie. A couple of those fucking scarecrows got me. But then, you know, we went, uh, we got back to the house or whatever where people were kind of drinking and shit, and I was one-on-one with the girl I came with, and, uh, she was like, you know, what happened earlier, like, you know, I'm not saying you're wrong, but you made it really awkward for everyone, and I said, well, I think it's more awkward if no one would have said anything, and you're just sitting there ignoring what's happening in front of you. And if you don't say anything, you're either condoning it or you're letting it happen, which is pretty much just as bad. I'm not saying every time you see something that's wrong, that's like really wrong, that it's your job to be the moral police or whatever. But, you know, if it's someone that's direct to you and they're being rude for no fucking reason, yeah, say something to them. That's why these people really have this belief that they could do no wrong. They could treat people any type of way because they get on the other side of the counter. And as a customer, they feel like they can literally just say whatever to anyone and nothing happens because people get away with it all the time and nothing happens to them. But then in real life, they're going to get into it in line at self-checkout with some girl at Walmart they're going to get their ass handed to them. And I'm just trying to prevent that. I'm just trying to be a nice guy. I'm just trying to stop you from having to get any face work done. That's all. I care about you. Even if I hate what you did, I care about how you treat people. I really do. But yeah. I'm sorry. If doing the right thing is awkward, nah, you know what? I'm proud awkward. Start on like a, you know, Antifa for awkwardness. I need to find an acronym for the awkwardness community. Like true awkwardness. Like, I'm probably as one of the cooler awkward people. Like, I could talk with a lot of people one-on-one and stuff. It's just, it's probably not just going to be a lot of nonstop BS banter. Like, I'm going to include myself 
and I'm it's not going to be your typical conversation on a lot of things once we get into it. That's why I'm excited when I finally have guests on this podcast because I think it'll show more when I have someone right there that I actually go off of and riff off of. And you can stop hearing me talk for the whole fucking time. But yeah, by the way, update on the analytics. We had 200 downloads today. Shit's blowing up. I don't know what the fuck's happening. Shit's fucking crazy, but... Oh yeah, by the way, is uh, recording this on a Wednesday. And an update on my vehicle. I uh, officially got it fixed today. Let's get a round of applause for the boy. Yeah, it was a... It was a couple lines in my engine that were cut open. So... I had to wait for someone who actually specialized. And they were able to fix it. Still, it wasn't a whole lot of money, but you know, I had to wait a couple days just for a specialist to actually do it, and things are up and good now. But yeah, oh, awkward trust issues. I, but yeah, speaking of uh, going back to, I guess I'll just make the theme of the show about awkwardness. It's what we'll talk about the whole fucking show because it's who I am. I'm in love with who I am, even if I'm awkward as hell. I do think there there is a um there is a way to be socially awkward but be socially acceptable and it be genuine. It is this trendy thing, like if you watch um if you watch a lot of TV now, right? I think about really what has thrived in cult sitcoms now. We want to talk about just off the top of the head, The Office. What makes The Office is it's a name of the show. It's a offbeat comedy type of thing. It's a lot of a lot of the humor is required in. The camera work, the way Michael Scott is talking, the way interactions, the way how everyone socializes, the pauses, the crazy, like the silenceness, like they're in a very silent environment. So like every little thing they do even matters more the way they're clipping their pencils around, the way they're like snapping um, their private conversations in the break room, their open conversations on the floor. Um, mainly Michael Scott, Steve Carell. The Office really identifies with why awkward comedy is now really like taking over the uh, landscape of TV. Look at what look at what shows are being made. You look at a lot of shows. It's a lot of people just um, even if you look at different sitcoms like Parks and Rec. I wouldn't say is as awkward as The Office. But it is definitely still that similar feel, the same type of camera feel. Um, community. It's a very similar type of thing. It doesn't mean that everything in this show is awkward. But the theme of it is really awkward. And that's the beautiful part of it. I feel like I've said awkward more in this podcast than I've said the word like and as. And a lot of other ones. It's gonna. This one's gonna be a repetitive. Um, but I do think comedy is kind of 
awkward comedy in TV is really being capitalized. And I mean that in a good way. When you hear the word like someone's capitalizing on something, like that sounds like a bad thing. But I think in this case, capitalizing on comedy like that is so much, it's so good. And I think also, now that I think about it, people seeing that type of comedy, they try to translate that to real life. And they think like, oh, there's a space for this to translate to real life. So then people are like, oh, if I act like Michael Scott in real life, you know, he got girls in there. If I act like a freaking, Jesus, I'm forgetting all their fucking names. Jeez, if I act like Dwight. Which Dwight got, Dwight probably got the most, Dwight probably got the most pussy out of the whole show. Because you know why? He's unapologetically himself and he is weird. And people are attracted to that. When you are generally yourself, even if it's weird. Um, Stanley, very silent, weird. Uh, Pam, well Pam, yeah, fuck Pam. Not really fuck Pam, but... Pam's probably one of the most normal, even though she's one of the most agitating fucking people on that show. Her character. Not the lady, personally, obviously. But. It's the whole. That type of comedy. I think a lot of people think like, oh, that works in real life. And um, it doesn't really. A lot. A lot of people, we look for stuff on TV. To find hope. For what doesn't make sense in real life. Like oh it works in this. That means somewhere out there. It works. And um, the reality is. It's called TV for a reason. It's to give hope. It's to give people just something. To get away from everyday life. And it is. Just really supposed to be entertaining. And the office was big at the time. But. The amount the cult following it created and how big it got over the last two or three years on Netflix before it got taken off of Netflix was much bigger than anything that happened at the time at NBC. All I'm saying is that it is okay to be awkward. I am part of the awkward community. I'm a proud member of the awkward community. There actually used to be a show on MTV uh, called Awkward. Jesus Christ, this camera's blurry as fuck. God damn it, Clint. You suck. Um, but there used to be a show on MTV called Awkward with Ashley Rickards. And the thing with that show had more to do with like kind of like her, not really her virginity per se specifically, but obviously that was a storyline in it. And to actually, even though it was probably more of a girl-centric show i actually enjoyed the show obviously the name caught my attention i'm like let me see and there was actually some relatable aspects even though it was a female-centric show there were some relatable aspects i related to it um because it didn't make sense that her being like an outcast type of thing but then the jock in the school wanted to be with her and really liked her and the up and downs of the typical high school relationship when it comes to that. A lot of, and and he kind of represents what I think the theme and ideology of that show is he kind of represents what 
kind of what's starting to happen in everyday life now where awkwardness i think at the very least what awkward what being awkward has actually displayed is that for better or worse they are probably one of the most genuine people because the issue of what makes someone awkward is someone that may struggle being themselves but they are themselves but it doesn't translate directly it could be sometimes misconstrued in some ways and to see and i think the what makes someone awkward there's a lot of factors you know you know you go from childhood and how they're raised and all this shit um but the beauty about being that personality of an individual is that you are that um it sounds like i'm just filler words but i'm actually just trying to have a full thought when I say this. Um, the beauty about the personality of being awkward is that you you come off as genuine. What it doesn't make sense to other people is why is it coming out this way? Why are your words separated? Why are you saying random words in places? Why are you saying why are you using extreme adjectives to describe some like, why are you using, oh, like, for example, let me give you a direct interaction of some I would be in, right? Me and a friend are talking. He'd be like, hey, hey, man, how are you today? And I'd be like, doing just fine, sir. You? They'd be like, good, good. I'd be like, be like, so you hitting the gym today? And I'll be like, um, am I hitting the gym or is the gym uh, hitting on me? <laughs> and they'll be like, are you going to work out today? And I'll be like, well, I've been uh, working out some things with myself today. <laughs> I've been uh, lifting my spirits. <laughs> and you hide behind your laughter because there's a lot of pain behind it. And then you'll just be like, yeah, I'll probably go. Yeah, I'll probably go. You start repeating things. You start just kind of regurgitating things. You start like, you're literally speaking out loud. It's like you're speaking in the way that people think before they speak, before they verbally say it. And like, for example, we're progressing in the conversation and be like, oh yeah, let me, uh, let me check if I'm available. And then you'll just be kind of like, hmm, oh, can I get your number? What'd you say? I said, can I go to Crackle Barrel and can we get some mashed potatoes and we can play that triangle game and we can see who's coming out on top in this pyramid scheme that we call this date because it seems like the... There's going to be only one person getting the return of this investment. And I don't know if that's going to be me. But uh, I'm willing to give it a shot. And maybe when we check out, if it's going well, maybe we can procrastinate some time in the gift shop. And you can actually pretend to like me and smile at me while we're looking at things to buy. And then when we walk out, then you give me a little kiss and as we kiss um 
I start being like, hey, let's uh, we should do this again. And then, you know, and then you just make a little fist pump. Had a great time, shooter. McGavin. And then you uh, drive her home. And then uh, maybe your car will break down. And then when your car breaks down, you have to find someone to give you a jump. And then by the time you're stranded for two hours and you get her home, and then she should have been home by curfew, and then... Next thing you know, she's grounded and you feel responsible and then you uh, can't go out for another three weeks because she's grounded. And then at that point, she questions, do I want to be put in that position again where I get grounded because now I can't trust and rely on this guy? And then you are replaced and all that because... Should have just, uh, should have just left before the gift shop and maybe my car would have made a little bit farther. That's what awkwardness looks like. That's what it looks like. And I hope this camera isn't blurry as fuck. I'm gonna be pissed as fuck. Oh, okay. But yeah, the great old 4-0. Moral of today's episode, 40-year-old version. Um, if you're awkward at 15, you'll probably still be awkward at 40. You just got to embrace it and let it be who you are and find someone who genuinely accepts you for who you are and, um, be genuine in who you are. Suck all the titties you want. And if you were genuinely weird and you like to suck feet, then just suck some feet. It's okay. You're different. You're built different. All right. That was episode 40 of the Off and Beat Podcast. Uh, like and subscribe to the video. Uh, continue the listens. And uh, suck some titties. And I'm going to hate the quality of this camera. I'm going to hate the quality of this video. Because I can tell it's going to be blurry as hell. But in the meantime. Um, whenever this comes out. Have a great day. And I am proud. I am a proud family. Oh where are you at Kyla Pratt?